Everybody, welcome back to Tell Me This. I'm Bree Andrews here with Carrie Borkowski. For our new listeners, this is a podcast about all things belonging, community, connections, collaboration, and holding space for what's possible. Over the life of this pod, we've explored research and scholarship on or related to belonging. We've shared stories, listened, and engaged with diverse individuals about belonging during the pandemic, as parents, as leaders, as human beings who show up for all the things. This season, we're journeying into belonging in our relationships with friends, spouses, coworkers, neighbors at all levels. And today, we're very excited to welcome back a household name on Tell Me This, (laughs) Uh, Jessica Anastasio, who's a teacher, an athlete, a coach, parent, and my sister-in-law. And I'm sure everybody knows, but by way of formal bio, just as a refresher, Jessica has a bachelor's in psychology and a master's in special ed. She has middle school special education experience in a variety of settings, and she currently works as the learning specialist in a private school in Connecticut, where she provides individualized programming and instruction for students with language waivers, push-in and pull-out support for specific skill work, and she collaborates with teachers in grades five through eight to meet the needs of all learners. Prior to her work as a special educator, Jessica was a figure skating coach for 27 years, where she coached toddlers through adult skaters of all abilities, from beginners through the junior national level. Jessica is also the mom of two sons in middle school and high school, and she brings a wealth of experience and great conversation each time we have the opportunity to connect. So welcome back, Jess, and thanks for being here. Well, thank you for having me back. This is a privilege to be talking with you today and having and engaging in this conversation. So super excited to be here. Awesome. Thank you. Well, let's get started. So we'll start like we always do just by asking how you are. So how are you? How are the boys? How's your family? How's work? I'm good. Um, We're just starting. This is day, officially day one of vacation of a two-week break, which is just amazing. So, right, how can you not be good? (laughs) Uh, The sun um, is out, blue skies. We got snow on the ground. We did a little skiing yesterday. Um, You know, so life life is good. Uh, The boys are good. We are. Hunter, my oldest, is a week away from vacation. So we'll have one week overlap, which is good. So this is our like get it done week, like dentists and getting the car done. So (laughs) have some fun together. So, so all good. Um, Appreciating each day. That's great. I'm glad to hear there's some sun. I have to say in, in situate mass, it's been kind of a dreary winter, right? Lots of rain and fog. So it's nice to hear there's some sun today. So yeah. 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 So Jessica, we, as you know, this is a podcast about belonging and we really have been digging into sort of the language of belonging. And so given your experience, you know, in the special ed space as a coach, I'm just really curious, or we're just really curious, like how do those experiences and also your, your parent hat, if you will, (laughs) um, you know, frame your understanding of belonging? Um, I think that I, in my role, I get to experience belonging um, in somewhat of a different way in that um, I have worked with students that 
have different um, learning needs and where it can be a struggle to belong or feel like they belong um, when in fact they actually do, uh, but sometimes seeing the light in themselves that they are, they're there, they're in it. Um, you have to help them see and feel so they can get connected to that idea. Mm -hmm. um, so there's that piece. And then um, from a personal standpoint, I've been in three different spaces over the last three years. I did a little jumping around from a middle school to an elementary school and mm -hmm. now a private school. Um, so I've had to work on belonging myself. Mm -hmm. um, and that I feel like really brings it into a different light in that, you know, when we talk about when we're giving assessments, right, one of the best things you can do is take the assessment first to see what the child's experiencing, right? And so now I feel like I'm kind of thrust in, I've been thrusted into these new environments to figure out where do I belong. And so it really puts me at a level playing field with my students who are at critical ages of discovering belonging um, between, I work with grade five through eight right now, um, and the, it's all about belonging. It's all about fitting in like academics is, yeah, it's certainly a huge priority, but, you know, in their hearts, they're driven by, you know, their, their peers and what feels good inside. So Absolutely. we have a fifth grader at home. So I, I, uh, <laughs> I hear, I hear what you're saying and that, that resonates. So, and I imagine as, as interesting and challenging, it's been maybe to move from different places it's probably one of those good reminders for you, right? That that what it feels like for for your kids too, the students that you teach. Yeah, it really um, also forces you to figure out what your core values are. It's mm -hmm. like it's kind of like a restart, you know. Um, and I feel like fortunate for this year because last year was a little more trying for me in in several different ways, and like this year it's like i feel like i get to like okay wait what were my core values what direction do i want to go and redefine myself as far as like what my limits are where's my balance what can i handle and and have just a better control of uh what i want it to look like yeah. so I love yeah. that. Anytime anybody talks about core values, I get. I know. I looked right up <laughs> when you said that. <laughs> the coach in me gets very excited uh, for that. So, Jessica, I'm curious. You, when you said belonging, I heard you say fitting in. I'm wondering if there are any other words or phrases that either you use for yourself or for your students when you talk about this thing, belonging. Like, what comes up for you? Um. So. I've been thinking actually a lot about this yeah. and, you know, where, what drives me to cultivate belonging and um, what are the pieces that belonging means? And this one particular book comes up for me um, and it's by David Riccio. I'm not sure if you know who he is. He's mm -hmm. um, a psychologist um, with, um, a Buddhist background, um, and it's called the five A's, um, how to be an adult in relationships, the five keys to mindful loving. Um, mm. And it's a very loved book, as you can see, I put <laughs> pieces out of it. <laughs> um, and what 
and I I've actually gifted this book to some friends um, who like early in marriage or just got engaged. And the five A's are attention, acceptance, appreciation, affection, and allowing. Mm -hmm. And I really feel like I actually have tried to keep these five A's at the root of my core values um, my whole life in every in every relationship that I have, whether it be with a student um, that I'm teaching in a school setting, whether it be a coworker, a family member, um, my husband, my kids. Um, and if I think if I pay enough attention to them, yeah. things move in a positive direction. Mm -hmm. um, and so I wanted to like put that out there and talk about those pieces a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I love I love that. Can you spell for our audience? Can you spell the, the author's last name? Yes, um, R I C H O. R I C. Great, thank you. Yeah. So he can you say them again? Sorry, it was attention, attention, acceptance, acceptance appreciation. Affection, affection and allowing. Yeah, I missed affection. Okay, got it. That's probably. Uh, it was something. Yeah. <laughs> I love uh, that. I love those five yeah. A's. I just, that's great. Yeah. So what's interesting about him is um, he has opposites. And I feel like when you think about belonging, um, we also have to think about what's not belonging. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think the opposites are hugely important. So the opposites to attention or being attentive is ignoring, refusing to listen, being unavailable and fearing the truth. And so if we unpack that a little bit, um, we think about, you know, putting our phones down when our spouse is talking to us or when our kids are talking to us, like, um, not being afraid of being afraid of the truth. So fearing the truth, um, I think is, is definitely huge in that, you know, we might be fearing something we're doing wrong or fearing something where an area where we might need to improve, um, refusing to listen again, it's, I feel like I keep going back to the phones because I feel like that's like the biggest <laughs> distraction um, of attention um, in individuals or phones or video games or whatever screens. Right. Um, and that or being completely just being unavailable, like, you know, always working or not being able to pull that person away and, and have their focus. And then the opposite of being accepting is trying to make someone over to fit our specifications, desires, or fantasies. Um, and I think this is huge, um, particularly um, at the grade level that I'm teaching, but I'm finding it to be super important in parenting because, you know, my oldest is figuring out life. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I feel like with your oldest, it's hard to let go. Um, the younger one, it's just been easier and some of its personality, but some of it's like, okay, he was fine. I can do this. Right. So you're just a little bit more willing to let go. And, um, so letting him and letting our kids figure out like who they are and, you know, one of the pieces, and I'll I'll speak to my oldest. My oldest is not a super outgoing kid, but he's he's well liked. 
Um, and he's like always been like our kindergarten or the preschool conferences. He was the kid that like walked around and observed everybody and then went sat and did his own thing and then everybody would join him. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you could be concerned that, oh, he's not joining in social groups, but yet actually he's almost being a leader in that he's creating his own path and people are coming and he's not pushing them away. He's welcoming them in. And I feel like this has been the type of person he is. He's very hesitant to join his own group. He does a lot of observing and then he finds his own way and then just lets people in willingly in that sense. So I think that's an important piece that I, you know, you get nervous as a parent because he might not socially look like. Yeah what a typical teen should be doing, right? Jessica, that's such a, um, I think, important point that I hope our audience is hearing, right? That like belonging, because I think too often we automatically think belonging is joining, right? If you're not joining, then you're worried about belonging, right? And in fact, just being able to hold the space for that exploration feels like right like you said attention and acceptance so part of that is like attending to and accepting that your son um needs to move around and observe and right so I love I love that that's a that's a really important reminder I think that belonging just looks different for different kids and individuals it does and um I can connect a little bit to some of your past podcasts with that and that like the big B little B right um <laughs> in that I love that podcast <laughs> um you you know in this situation for him he has to belong to himself first mm. to allow belonging to happen mm. right and and when as a parent sometimes I want to force into things you know and then but if he's not belonging to himself that that experience is not going to create belonging right and so I find that too um and hopefully I'm not jumping too much as an advisor I have a homeroom of seven kids um and when I started this year six of those seven were returning students and one was a new student Mm -hmm. and six of those seven students were um into uh, chorus and the musical and singing and the seventh child is into sports and more video games and uh, baking and things like that. And he he kind of struggled to, to find his spot, um, but now he fits in beautifully. Like it took time, you know, but he was kind of you know, I kept trying to push him into different situations and it wasn't working. And finally, he kind of similarly to Hunter um, started doing some of his own things. And I've noticed people are starting to surround him and now he's starting to join them. And so it's like when we don't interfere sometimes and just let them explore and be who they are, then it's good. So yeah. um, I just want to follow this off script just a little bit, because I'm so taken by this idea of core values that you mentioned related to yourself. And now it sounds like you're talking about it with your students and, you know, your own kids. How do you do that? I mean, how do you, because you mentioned what doesn't necessarily work, which is to sort of encourage them to do things that, you know, aren't really resonating with them. How do you, as a teacher, as a mom, whichever angle, help 
kids, especially in that middle school age, to figure out those core values, to figure out like who they are and what makes them tick on the inside when there's so much external input yeah. about kind of what they should do or, you know, they're, I'm just curious about how you do that, how you navigate that. So I think the biggest one is um, giving them attention and mm -hmm. just like stopping um, and looking at them in the eye and like spending time having the conversations, asking questions that aren't going to be those one words like, um, you know, this particular student, like, are you ready for, um, your, your test, your Latin test later today? Um, and he's like, well, maybe. And I'm like, okay, talk to me about maybe, you know, and just <laughs> having the, the engaging in those conversations, but truthfully the attention piece, the, the eye contact, the stepping away from what you're doing. And interestingly, I, I struggle with this every morning because in our advisory group, we, um, it's where, you know, kids land in the morning, we have to take attendance. Um, and then we have this thing in the middle of the day, it's called win, which is what I need, mm -hmm. um, which is an awesome thing. And kids have to sign up for their different activities. So there's a lot of somewhat goal setting in that, like, you know, that particular student, um, if he has an assessment in Latin, like, okay, miss, um, the Latin teacher um, is having a review session. So are you going to go to that review session? So there's some goal setting and planning involved in that. But then at the same time, having enough time to just have the conversations around that are not like where I've got my computer in my face planning for the day. Like I got to get out of the planning and attend to the child. And one of the things that um, this author actually talks a lot about is um, attention being a, a very, a very um, important piece because that's something we get from when we're first born in attending to our needs, mm -hmm. right? So it goes back to that cycle of whether our needs were met or not met. So I kind of feel like it's the same thing with belonging. I've got the attention piece has to come first and then I can do all those other pieces. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Um, again, I'm I'm bringing the lens of like having a fifth grader who's getting ready to go to middle school, right? Like, can't help but bring that lens. Um, and he walks to the beat of his own drum, which terrifies me, and I love, right? All I can hold both of those things. Um, and I think, I mean, I I hope we'll have a chance to unpack the opposites of appreciation, affection, and allowing. Because what I have noticed is that I think the appreciation piece is really important and not in a way that's like overly right but like just catching like when when our kids are doing the things that they love to do that might not be the sports and the sort of shoulds it's yes. like catching that moment and being like ah that you love that that I love that you love that right like Colby's into climbing he likes to, we have him in a class where he's going to climbing every week and that's definitely not in the norm and I just I get excited because he gets excited. So I feel like that's part of the belonging too, is that not only so that he, I just don't want him to question if this is a, if it's not a should, it doesn't matter. Cause like we love this thing. Right. And that's what matters. So I wonder if that, I don't know what's, if that is sort of the right interpretation of that appreciation, Jessica. Oh, definitely. And I, I think there's, there's a lot with appreciation in that one, the, the appreciating, every little piece of of the individual and what they're doing but with that i think also understanding 
like appreciating what might be hard for them about a situation Mm -hmm. or what might be hard about like, um, you know, my, my husband made dinner the other day and I felt like he was like, well, you know, you were going back from, you know, from school, you were going to, um, to bring Gavin to Accra and then you were going to get Hunter in West Hartford and then you were going back. He's like, so I figured I'd take that off your plate. Like, to that sent the message that he appreciated well my day was difficult right mm-hmm. so then I felt like appreciated and loved and you know so there's understanding um what's good and then also understanding where somebody's coming from where it might be hard mm, yeah it's that's great huge and I think that again it also that'll tie into the accepting piece like my son Hunter he's um not you know, that huge, big social scene. So when he is with a group of people, I, you know, to appreciate that, Hey, like, I, I loved that you, you hung out with that crowd and you, you were in it and you look like you had fun. And so accepting, um, where people land. Yeah. One of the other pieces that he says, um, Again, I love this book. So <laughs> you have a lot of a lot of credit here to David Riccio. <laughs> yeah. And you said it like you're getting excited. Like I love that. And he talks about mirroring. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the example um, that he gives is like, you know, you come home from from school, you're super excited about your success at um, you know, at school or you know, a sport that you're tried, right? So um I'll give an example. My son, uh, Gavin, he's super excited about joining the school play. Like if we're like, oh, well, you know, we'll see how that goes. Like, you know, will you hang on and do that? Like, it's really like that's bringing in shame and that's bringing in, you know, disapproval and not attention. But if you're like, oh, that's awesome. I'm so glad you joined the play. Like, that's amazing. Like, super excited. Well, he's going to be excited about that. So mirroring that um, appreciation, mirroring the excitement is really important to showing kids what belonging looks like. Yeah. Yeah. I love that mirroring term because the thing that was coming up, because I, I liked that you also recognized that the hardness about a situation, because it feels like the mirroring also is those moments of, oh, I believe you like that that sounds like it was really hard. And I believe that this was like hard. So like the mirroring is both for all the things, right? Regardless, however the kid shows up in that moment, it's believing what they're telling you, right? Yes. That's what I was thinking. Cause I was thinking, okay, so Gavin came home excited about the play. What if his expression was different? What if he's like, I don't know. I joined the play. I I don't know how it's going (laughs) to go. Like to me, my instinct, I think would be like, would be like, no, it's going to be awesome. But actually I think in mirroring, it could be like, Ooh, good call to join that. It sounds like you're unsure. <laughs> like yes, what's the hesitancy, you know, and just like open up to a conversation yeah, because you are super attentive to the way they're walking into that. Yeah. And yeah. then to, to reflect that back and then move into expanding on that. I don't know. That's yeah. It's, I'm it's, glad it's you said really, that. Cause it made me kind of yeah. think twice about how I might react. Yeah, because it's funny, I think, for me, it's easy to mirror when they're excited. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. when they're, something is not exciting, I notice that my, which I don't like, and I'm working really hard to change it, my sort of gut response to the hard things is like, oh, it'll be okay. 
Yes. And I'm starting to like recognize that like I have to take a breath and be like, okay, this is this is a real thing for them. And I have to acknowledge, right? Like I have to be in that space with them because otherwise they I create shame by saying it, it's gonna be fine, right? You're just sort of discounting, but it's hard because you yeah. want them to be okay, right? Like <laughs> and then yeah. there, I think there's also that point where you're an adult, right? So I think the mirroring is really important initially. And then you also can have your adult perspective of saying. Mm-hmm. Yes. And like, and this is going to be okay. Or this is, you know, whatever. Um, and yeah. this book, the emotional lives of teenagers is new by Lisa Demore. Did you read it, Jess? No. Oh yeah. I <laughs> love her. Great. Yeah. I really love her. She, her initial work was all with girls. And this book is about boys and girls. Um, and she talks about that because parents come to her and say, you know, I get it. Like, I want to be right there in it with the, with my teenagers. And how do I kind of, sit with them in the mess and then also help them to move out of it. Because especially for teenagers, she talks about like the developmental nature of their brains and everything. They just kind of can sit and get stuck in that space. So Mm -hmm. there's no recipe for it, but I think the idea of meeting them there first, and then you as the mature adult with a developed brain can step out and say, yeah, what's the, what's that quote? I can't think of the, I'm not, I'm totally going to botch it, but that whole idea that like, when you're in a pit, like the person you want is the person who oh. in the pit because they know how to get out of it. They yeah. want to be in it with you. They, they can get down there in it with you, but then they can also find, help you find a way out. And that's what right. I feel like you're describing. It's like doing the mirroring and then also being able to like scaffold the like, I can't remember that where that's, I don't know if, where that's from, but I just remember it. Yeah. We talked about that a long time ago. I can't remember either, Yeah, but so, it's true. Anyway. And I think it's even true as an adult, you know, if I'm in a particular situation, I know that if I call a one particular friend, she's going to jump in that pit. We're going to stay in that pit and we're just going to ruminate and we're not getting out. <laughs> yeah. And like, that's kind of nice for a moment, but then I feel like worse than when I started because I don't feel any lifelines. Well, then you're consoling the person because you're right. like, it's going to be okay. It's gonna be- <laughs> and I'm like, wait a minute, what happened here? How did this start? Yeah. yeah. That's yeah, so, so true. And I think that's just so very important, like you're saying, to like yeah. to be able to scaffold and get out like right. using Jessica, our- what's the what's the um I'm you're I'm like on the edge of my seat. What is the <laughs> the opposite of appreciation? I was just gonna ask that same yeah. question. <laughs> um criticizing. Mm. Uh, yeah, right. This is yeah. hard. <laughs> um and I think. Interestingly enough, um, yesterday I teach um, our faith formation class, um, and yesterday we were talking about reflection and mm-hmm. you know how reflection can be um, critical in that you're you're being critical of yourself or looking not really critical of yourself. And I, I had to reframe it for the kids. I said I don't want you to reflect. And be like, I'm terrible at this, or I can't do this. Like, I want you to look at yourself through a critical lens where you can see where can I, where can I do better? Where can I make those improvements? So I think the appreciative piece and the opposites being criticizing um, is where we can talk a little bit about reflection and what connection we have there and how important reflection is, but not, you know, it, it, you, you dance a little bit there. Don't dance into the, the negative criticizing, um, but yet reflect and say, 
again, this is where you can accept the situation somebody's coming from, um, where their day was super busy, you know, but it would have been more helpful if you went and picked up, you know, um, Hunter in West Hartford, you know, like in the reflecting back, would that have been better, you know, not in my situation for that day. I'm just, yeah, Yeah, it reminds me, I am not. I'm very new to the Jesuit traditions, but it reminds me of the word critical is hard, right? Because critical feels like, but but the way the Jesuits or Ignatian and Brand, you can correct me, but what came up for me was discernment, Mm -hmm. like, right, right. Like getting some clarity and really being able to sort of say what it is and not show up as a judge, right? Um, So, and I think part of that is, it really hard with little kids, but I think one way to think about it is what you, and what are the things that are hard for you? Mm-hmm. Like what's, yeah. and I don't just mean like algebra is hard, but like, you know, joining a new group of people or doing something to, I don't know, whatever the thing is. So I think there's a place for, you know, the consolation and desolation in that reflection, yeah. um, totally. just with different yeah. words and different thoughts. But I hear what you're saying. And critical is tricky, especially for little kids who know the word critical as something that's perceived as negative and like maybe nitpicky and you know yeah. that kind of stuff. Well it's funny because I have so we have uh twin seven year olds who'll be eight soon and our daughter Sarah, um, she's like me, she's a crier. That's her first response. And because I'm a crier, I like often try just to console her, right? And and just like try to console it and get rid of it, right? <laughs> <laughs> um and I've tried lately, she um I've just tried to unpack it with her, right? Do some discernment, which is like, okay, what I know you're crying. Like, tell me that, like, I just asked her, like, what's the word that's coming up? Just like, say a word, like, what is it? And we get to the, you know, I often realize with her, um, she doesn't want to go somewhere because she's afraid she's going to miss something here, right? Like that's, it has, you know, so it's like just taking that moment to say, like, can you put some words to, I, I see you're crying. I see that you might be upset. Let's now put some words. And it just, I mean, as a parent, that is like, you know, you're in the throes of like going from here and there and work and dinner and, and, but you have to like, I mean, I love these five because it's like, you have to pay attention. You have to accept it. You have to figure out how to appreciate it and just ask the questions. Right. And then it, I mean, as someone who, who's getting, trying to get better at it, there's like huge dividends too, to like figuring this stuff out with your kids, like huge. So huge. Yeah. Absolutely. And I feel like these five A's um, really throw you into, like, it. they make you pause, they make yeah. you become present, and they make you become more intentional yeah. with your words and how you want to um, respond in this situation. Yeah. All right. So you've, you've, you've told yes. us about attention, acceptance, appreciation. I need to know what the opposites of affection and allowing are. I can't, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> So opposite of affection is um, acting selfishly or abusively. Mm-hmm. And the opposite of allowing is being controlling, demanding, or manipulative. Oh. Um, and I really think, um, and not to skip over the affection. Well, actually, I'm, I'm not going to skip over. I think the affectionate piece is really, really important. Um, and primarily... Um, thinking of it in terms of uh, being a teacher, 
like that feels a little like invasive. Like how can I be affectionate with my students? Right. And one of the ways you can, and I think about this because um, I, I feel like these core values work, the way you can be affectionate with your students is by eye contact, by your space, being, you know, your proximity to them, right? When behavior is going wrong, what is, you know, number one teacher rule? Get closer to the student, right? Like your affection doesn't need to be all about like kissing and, you know, the affection that you might initially think of. Affection can just be your proximity to an individual, making them feel safer, calming them down. Um, and I know um, there was recently a, a, not a podcast, I think it was a TED talk that I watched where one of the um, suggestions was with students with working with students with ADHD um, to go and put your hand on their back because it it's like an immediate, like, like startles the distraction or the unattending behavior to where you touched them and then re you know pull recenters that focus and allows the student to attend to you know, what you want them to attend to or slowing them down so just that hand touch right so you guys talked about the five senses earlier on yeah right? and we were well, just next- before we got on the pod uh jessica we're gonna have a guest in the in a few weeks who is a yoga instructor and does a lot of body work with her clients. And we were just saying, I'm so glad you brought this up because we were just saying how in our exploration of belonging, that's not really an area that we've touched on it, like how the body and sort of the sensation of the body is important, but we haven't really gotten into that. So you're just sort of reinforcing this like importance of of connection with, with our body. I will say the other thing that I'm loving um, just in the spirit of language, I think Brian and I often talk about these conditions of belonging and this ability to hold space that really at the end of the day, yes, yeah, strategies are great, but like what really has to happen is you have to learn how to hold space, whether you're in a meeting, whether you're with students, whether mm-hmm. you're with your kids. And what I really love about these five A's is like it's all all, all of a sudden given me language to describe what holding space could mean yeah. right because mm-hmm. like for some people holding space they look at me and they're like what do you mean like what yeah. Yeah. I get it like when I say that I know exactly where I am in my in my world but like being able to say it's about attention acceptance appreciation affection that like that's really helpful so I'm so grateful that you brought this to us because like you've just sort of I don't know, you brought color to this idea mm-hmm. of holding space, right? Like I, there's some real action that people can take. Um, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I agree with you. Yeah. Um, and then the, we talked, um, so the opposite of allowing was being controlling, demanding, or manipulative. Um, and oh. I think this is the parenting, like this is where parenting is huge, right? The controlling piece um, or even the demanding. I think this is also where we hold expectations and we need to like, oh, it's so scary to let go of expectations. Because <laughs> um, I just, you know, what's on the other side? <laughs> Don't hold the expectation here and what's going to happen. It feels so unknown and yeah, you know, just do the best we can, right? Yeah, yeah. When you said yeah. controlling and demanding, I was like, oh, that's where expect parental expectations sit, and yeah. I just like, I know that I fail miserably at that 
daily. Uh, yeah. Oh God. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> and as we're sort of getting into this college thing a little bit with our older one that it just, I mean, she's only a sophomore, so it's preliminary, but I can feel myself when she talks about it. Like I'm flooded with all of these inputs of, um, you know, acceptance rate and D1. I mean, just all these numbers that it's so funny because none of that actually was, was all that relevant to me when I made my own college decision, which was Loyola a million years ago. Obviously that was the right call considering where I am now and all these amazing relationships that have come of my time there. But I was really not all that concerned myself with those things, but there was a lot of input saying that I should have been concerned with them. And I can just kind of go right back to that spot as we move into this phase with Deirdre. It's kind of a a tricky thing. So it's super helpful to have these words and have these um, poles defined of like allowing versus expectations. Yeah, yeah, it's really, it's so interesting. I'm, I'm, I mean, this is not fully processed. So I'm wondering there's like space here for us as parents to be getting coaching around. Like when we say expectations, it's almost like, it's almost like a core values question. It's like, what do you really at the core, what's really important for you, for your kids? Like, right. Like what, what is it? Well, like if I ask myself that it's like, I want them to be happy. I want, I want them to feel like they're growing. I want them to feel like they have a space in that place. Right. It has nothing to do with like the name of the school, the doesn't have to do with acceptance rates. Right. It doesn't have to <laughs> do with, and I'm, and I'm just using your example, Brianna, yeah. like, you know, just thinking about, cause even for, for, you know, with little kids, our kids don't play sports and I grew up playing sports and that was the thing I did. And so there's a part of me that's still like, you know, where's that thing. And then I'm just like, but, but at the end of the day, like, what do you care most about? Right. Like, anyway, it's just interesting to think about like, again, I think it goes back to our own critical reflection, right? Jessica, you were talking about critical. And so we should be critically reflecting and discerning like, well, what are your real expectations? Like in a quiet moment, what's really rising to the top for you? Is it really about Colby playing soccer, you know, in town? Not really. It's that you want him to feel like he belongs. And guess what? He does just in a different way than you did. Right. Right. So it's, it's, and accepting and being comfortable with belonging. That's what his belonging looks like. Yeah. It's so, so hard. (laughs) Well, it goes back to, I mean, one of the first questions I asked you, Jess, was how do you help young kids find those core values? And what did you say? You said attention, eye contact, stop what you're doing and ask good questions. Yeah. You know, which is coaching, right? So, (laughs) you know, it kind of suggests that we all could benefit from that sort of attention and contact and questions and whether that's self-driven through like mindfulness practices or, and, you know, having really great conversations with a coach or friends like you or whoever, um, you know, it just kind of reinforces that we need that all the way through, I think. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, I'm not saying everyone should go through, you know, coaching certification, but I will say like the kind, just being able to show up coach, like, like just the, so in one of the coaching classes, they give you like examples of all these, they call powerful questions. They're what they're all, what questions, not why, right. Cause why is sort of accusatory, right. So what yeah. is like exploration? And I have to tell you, 
that has made such a difference in the way I show up as a parent. It's like just that list of powerful questions. Now I fail all the time, lots of time. Um, but when I, when I'm able to show up coach, like as a parent, it hundred percent changes the conversation that I have with my kids. And I'm just like, they have, they're not on to me yet. They're still young enough that they don't know that I'm coaching them. <laughs> yeah. But Susan knows now when I try to do it with Susan, my spouse, <laughs> yeah. she just, she's like, stop coaching me. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, But it is, it's it's just the questions, right? Just offering questions instead of expectations and what you think should happen is just, it goes back to your five A's for sure. Yeah. Which is kind of, kind of neat. I love the list of those questions. Yeah. (laughs) I'm happy to share them with you. I have, I created a word doc with the ones from class and then ones that I've sort of stumbled on over the year. So I'm happy to share it with you. It's a great, it's just a great resource. It sounds like it. So um, in our school, I mentioned the advisory program we have. Um, it's a really great program. And I feel like it's a it's a space where I'm I'm really most excited about growing because it was it's my first experience with it. Before my other school, we had something called um, Connections, which is similar, um, but it was a, a twice a week thing. This advisory group is daily. Um, which I, I think those touch points are great. The length of time definitely varies. Um, but the other piece that is so good about it is the uh, ratio, you know, the seven kids with one teacher. And and actually I'm in a group where um, I have another teacher with me. She's on maternity leave right now. So it's only been one of us managing it, but typically there's two of us Um and so sometimes the advisory groups are, you know, between six and, and eight kids, I think is is what's typical. Mm-hmm. Um, but what is so great about it and what I've experienced is that in the very beginning, it was very much like the planning, like, all right, where am I going? What's the routine of the day? Like scheduling in the, that wind time and um, the structures, like formulating the structures. And now um, that we're like mid-year through, there's, a you know, the kids come in, I've figured out some of their likes. So I've brought in some of, you know, the toys that I have, like these magnet tiles and this one kid loves building with him. So and they, the, then they all come and they build these crazy towers and then one person likes to knock them down and, you know, I snapped a picture of it and it's like these 12-year-old kids kids, you know, that are playing, you know, like children and they're laughing and giggling and working together. And there, it was so like unstructured, um, that it created so much fun. And then the other day I had another student come in and it's like, Miss Say, let's play cards. What kind of card games do you know? And it's like, she's going through the list and she's like, spit, I really want to play spit. And I was like, Ooh, I'm like, spit. I mean, that's bringing me back in the day. I'm not (laughs) sure I can do this. And she's like, no, you got this. I know she sat on the table and I said, all right, I have to, you know, I had to get everybody set up for their win. I said, as soon as I'm done, I'll play. So she taught another student how to play and the other student was trying to figure it out. And it was bringing, I was listening as she was playing. I was like, okay, it's coming back. It's coming back. And she's like, all right, are you ready to play? I'm like, yeah, I'm ready to play. So we're literally sitting on the desks in my classroom, which, which feels fun and different. Yeah. 
right? Like I'm getting to their level. So we're sitting on the desk and I'm like, all right, I remember how to do this. And we had so much fun. And then it was like, all these different groups kept popping up. Like everyone was like, I know how to play this game now. Like I'm up next with Mrs. A, you know, and it's like, just, you know, creating that, that space for belonging is just, it's, it's beginning to happen. And I feel so fortunate that we're given that space and that time. Yeah. That's, you know, that's really, I mean, that's really cool, Jessica, because I think something that Brianna and I have been playing with in some professional learning that we're doing in hopefully a, a future conference is this idea of voice and choice. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's been mostly in the context of student voice, because we've been doing it from, but we're thinking about it in terms of leadership development, right? Voice and choice of staff, colleagues. And I, what I think you're so beautifully illustrating is, yes, these five A's are, you know, building strong relationships and trust and belonging. And what you're also seeing in your classroom is space and opportunity for voice and choice. Cause like that yes. student came to you and said, I want to play cards right? That wasn't you. That wasn't instructor led or facilitator guided. That was, so I, I I just like to say these things like out loud that, that like, there's a lot that sort of, there's a ripple effect, right? That, and what that does is it reinforces those feelings of belonging, right? Cause now they're really, they're really owning the space because they've, they've, I don't know, they've just gained agency. So I love to see sort of the outcomes, right? Of yeah. the work that you're doing with those students is it's pretty fantastic. So it's it's definitely fun. So I'm looking forward to where it evolves, you know, um, yeah. over time because I feel like it's one of those those places where, you know, I'll get better at it as I go. Like it, it feels pretty comfortable and good now, but like knowing um, just some of the routines of of what's expected of me as an advisor, my roles of what I have to do with the kids. So I think it's cool that there's a lot of different things happening in that space at the same time, because I think sometimes to hold space means like I will carve out these 15 minutes or this half hour, or this is our designated time for connection. So let ready connect, you know, (laughs) but what you did is you're like, no, no, no. First, I'm going to get these guys set up with win. Um, And then we'll move into that, right? So within this defined period of time, there are a lot of things happening, which I think is sort of how it, how it actually works. Like, no, we're going to work on planning because that's how your advisory started was kind of the objective things that we just have to do to get through our day. And that's fine. And so we can move pretty seamlessly from that work to connection and sitting on the desk and playing spit to then, all right, like, does everybody know what's happening next and and where we're going? And I feel like that's the magic. That's the sweet spot. Yeah. And it's the same way with clinical work. And this is what I'm brought back to. Um, I always tell my students when we work with clients, our work is education and counseling. Like we teach a client something new, a new strategy, and then we're counseling about how does mm-hmm. it feel to be this way or, or whatever, you know, the situation is like a client who has had a stroke or something like that. So Um, what you're demonstrating is a similar sort of blend. And to me, when I watch the best clinicians at work, they're really seamless in that transition, like sharing something and then having like a really human connection and then doing a little bit of teaching and then back to that humanness. And I think you're modeling that with the kids. And that's so important because if that's the takeaway that they won't be able to articulate right now, but if they have those feelings and that this is what we do with our time, we get things done and we enjoy and we connect and we laugh 
and we have lists and we do like all of that together. Yeah. I mean, that's, you're giving them such a gift yeah, by, sure. by modeling this. Yeah. That's so, good. yeah, that's so interesting, Brianna. I love how you sort of brought that all together. Mm-hmm. Cause I think that's also what we see in the classroom, right? That like community building, I mean, cause we've done presentations on um, feedback, high quality feedback. And I've always said, and I know Brian, you have said this too, like high quality feedback isn't just about the feedback. It's about building community and connection. The ways in which you give feedback there, we too many instructors miss these huge opportunities for connection when they're giving tons of feedback, like just shifting the way you give feedback can build community. Just, you know, doing, um, I've talked to K to 12 teachers who like, like a math teacher who will do a survey early in the semester to get to know the kids. And then when she does the math problems, the math problems are all about what the kids do. So it's like, you're doing the math, but you're also doing the community stuff, right? All at the same time. So I think you're right, Brian. like when you're firing all, on all cylinders, community and trust and attention and appreciation and allowing, they all show up like this, like, right? This beautiful symphony or something. Um, so I was, I'm really glad that you, you pulled that in, um, Jessica, I have to say, we're going to have to have you back on, um, (laughs) next, well, I'm thinking about next season because what we haven't talked about, which is inherent to this whole conversation is the work that you're doing says something pretty remarkable about you as a human being. (laughs) Well, cause like, you know, it's one thing to give someone the five A's and some of the, the tips that we've talked about. It's a whole nother thing to walk into this space as an adult human being with your anxiety and discomfort and all the things, right? So I I think we would, we're, we're hoping next season to explore, you know, belonging and self and sort of what does it take as a facilitator, a teacher, a clinician to show up and do like all the cool things that you're already doing. Cause like, obviously you have tons of humility. You're a learner. Um, you know, you're confident in the work that you're doing. Like we've not talked about any of that, but I hear it and I see it. So I think, you know, it's, it's just inherent in what you do. And I don't think everybody can do that. So. Well, thank you. You're going to make me emotional. <laughs> uh, if I need a confidence boost, I'm calling you. <laughs> <laughs> or just listen to the that. listen to the episode just snip that yeah it's true yeah. though like I mean I like yeah. to think that everybody has the potential to do this work but it's work right it, it goes is. back to Brian yeah. like we've said right all of this is work it's intentional work and I think we're really excited to dig into that work um in our yeah. season you know next for next season but yeah I just again I just like to say things out loud that inherent in what you do is you're a pretty special and remarkable educator, um, you know, professional. Well, I love teaching kids and I love um, being part of their growth and their potential. So it's like, I feel lucky to be in the shoes I am in every day. So thank you for that. Yeah. And one of the things that you had said, um, and maybe a good way to kind of sum up some of the things um, of today Brianne, you were mentioning teaching and like, you know, how we put this into practice and um, Carrie, you were just kind of saying the same thing. Um, 
And one of our leaders from my prior district, she um, is somebody I will always hold to a high regard. She's amazing. Whenever she talks, she's like just one of those people that you're just captivated by what she has to say. So it's like, everybody stop. She's talking, <laughs> you know, and it's just like, it amazes me when people are gifted with that ability to command large crowds of people. And they say things, they don't have a lot of words, but the words they say are so powerful. Um, and she was her question all the time from all the years I've worked with her um, were, well, what's the teach? And I love that. And I try to bring that all the time to different situations when kids are feeling specifically upset or if they're feeling defeated or things are really hard. Okay. What's the teach? What can I teach them? Um, and to bring in one other book, and Brienne, I think you guys were reading this one, The Surprising Ways Com Mastering Community by Christine Porras. Oh yeah, I have that right here. Right? Yeah. So, so very good. Um, and this is this is the piece that I want to teach my advisees and the kids I work with. Um, she refers to, I believe it's in, uh, I don't know actually what chapter it is in, not chapter two, chapter three um, on page 61 uh 62 <laughs> um she talks about south um southwest and raquel um daniels the director of um diversity and inclusion she got up on the stage and she um was singing a song and she um ushered employee I'm going to read the part of it um she offered employees um into into the act belting out be different be nice just smile I promise it'll change your life uh and people were singing their hearts out and if you I know like if you guys have been on the southwest airlines but they're they're a hoot it's so much fun. The flight attendants are hysterical. They make, you know, the whole like, listen, you know, listening to the safety protocols and all that, like you listen, <laughs> you listen with all your attention, um, you know, but you feel loved in it. And she later on talked about um, how one of the passengers had lost their suit or didn't have a suit and was going for an interview and the flight attendant but lent they knew somebody in the city and they connected them with somebody that lent a suit to this person. Um, and like, just be nice. Right. And I think that um, that's been a little bit of the, the feeling coming out of COVID is some of our kids have learned, they've needed to learn how to play at recess. They've needed to learn how to redo, be social again. They needed to learn what it looks like in the lunchroom. They needed to learn how to be civil. And that's what this chapter is on is civility. Um, and that I think if my focus now from this point is gonna be teaching these kids civility, we're teaching them to be kind and we're gonna allow these five A's to enter their life through civility mm -hmm. and teaching civility. So that's my teach. That's my goal right now. I love it. <laughs> Yeah, I love it. I'm going to close with this. Well, not close, but offer. so this is the book Mastering Community by Christine Porath, who's a Holy Cross alum, which is why I got this book because Jason went to Holy Cross. Um, but when I just flipped to page 62, look what was in it. This is a card that Jessica sent me like years ago. <laughs> oh it was God. literally there. <laughs> so how about that for a moment, right? <laughs> That's amazing. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Wow. There's some divine connection there. I'm telling That's you. right. Yep. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, this has been 
I have loved this. Well, I always love speaking with you, Jessica, and, and of course, Brianne as well. Um, and I've loved how we've sort of meandered and, and gone off script. And hopefully the audience, I know the audience will see all the connections to relationships and, and the definitions. And this has just been it's been fun to sort of do it in a different way. Um, so I've appreciated, I loved that you gave us a frame this morning, Jessica, um, with the five A's and I'll definitely be picking up um, the book because I'm now I'm very curious and interested and I have a feeling this will show up in other places. So um, thank you so much for your wisdom and your sharing of your experiences. And uh, it's just been an absolute pleasure to be with you on this, in this conversation. Well, thank you for having me and for giving me this opportunity to be part of this group. I like feel so honored and touched and just love our conversation. So I I had mentioned to Brianne that like, I'm like, we got to connect. <laughs> like I, I literally listen and talk with Brianne every day in my car, but it's, it's <laughs> a little bit one-sided. <laughs> podcast awesome. I giggle and I laugh and I'm like oh you're so right Brian <laughs> that's fantastic awesome that's awesome it's, all right it's so cool to be part of this so thank you yeah absolutely all right everybody thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of tell me this uh be well